Greetings, Stony Brook Church. What a great day to get up and to come together and to worship, to be a part of the community that takes seriously the guidance that no matter what's going on, take time to walk with God, to be in the presence of Jesus, and to remember that we are invited forward. As United Methodists, we join a particular community of faith and we promise to support it with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And by being together virtually and in other ways, we declare our witness. There are some spiritual matters I'd like to offer to you in the form of prayer. As we enter into this next week, may we pray for those who are unclear about what Christmas is all about and how being in the presence of the living Lord encourages us. I also would offer for your prayers the joy and the sorrow of our beloved Jeannie Brown, who has returned to God this past Thursday. Though her family faithfully walking with her to the best of their ability in these days, they miss her deeply, we all miss her deeply, and yet we also know that her joy is with her God, and we are grateful. Our presence today will be symbolically represented by the Sheldon family. They are going to help us remember the lighting of the Advent wreath. So we're grateful to Jason and Amanda and Hannah and Noah as they bring their best to, to that. For our remembrance of gifts, I thank you for your faithfulness in the giving of your offerings and your pledges. Uh, we have almost exhausted the benevolence fund. It is a time of dire need. And so on, in past days, you received a letter from your church inviting you to be a part of the healing of the mental health of those for whom life is oh so difficult. 
If there's one thing we know, it takes all of us to bring wholeness and healing. You'll see four ways in which your church is going to invest in the healing of God's world. Finally, I want to invite you to another witnessing moment on Christmas Eve at 7 o'clock. The contemporary service will be premiered, and then at 9 o'clock, the traditional service will be premiered. Um, there are some of us who are running around saying, and when was the last time you weren't responsible for worship on Christmas Eve? And there are some of us who have a lot of numbers, and some of us just a few, but I promise you, whether we're in leadership or whether we're attending or whether we're spiritually connecting, God is showing up and we are grateful. Friends, let us be in this time of worship together.
from Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. Wait, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those watching for the morning, more than those watching for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquity. to be born. As we wait, we wonder and anticipate and dream of life in which life is always present. Awaken our spirits and remind us God's promises are always fulfilled. We light this candle as a reminder that God's steadfast love shines brighter than any darkness. May we be blessed by this knowledge. May we use this blessing to bless others with the gift of God's love. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine.
partake of a time of focused prayer, an intention for those who claim this as their home and the reality that all is home of God. Would you pray together? What voice holds our attention and causes pause? Tones new and confusing in reflection, yet attracts and demands. The voice is unseen, yet oddly it is known, and so we turn our face toward that which invites. How long will we have to wait, O Lord? How long will we have to wait? Yes, wait, we will. For in our patience, we discover promises of eternity that shake our foundation. We've been so carefully taught that now is the only time that matters and now is the only reality. Now is what is seen and heard, yet you invite us beyond this. Wait, the sage ones reflect back to us. Time is a tool of revelation. And the demand of the instantaneous we leave behind so much. For in the moment, we choose not to be lost. So in our waiting, we look for that which is closest to us. And the nuances of goodness and mercy are revealed. Goodness of gentleness and momentary attention. For our hope lies in the Lord. Steadfast love, power to redeem, showing the way from here to tomorrow. And the tomorrow of full life as revealed in a prayer, a prayer offered ages ago, yet full of wisdom in this day. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
is breaking. Here comes the war. Sing to Galatians. Sing to Galatians. Are you ready? Here comes the light. Here comes the light. Here comes the light. Goodbye to darkness. Goodbye to night. Down in Bethlehem the stars are shining bright. Oh, glory, hallelujah, children. Here comes the light. Light. Oh, children, here comes the light. Here comes the light. Goodbye to darkness. Goodbye to night. our Christmas Eve that is just days away. Friends, I invite you to hear these words from Scripture, these words of good news for you and for me. From Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted, uh, greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Will you join me in a spirit of prayer? Here we are, O oh God, waiting, open, ready to hear your word for us illuminate our hearts to your heart's desire. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Last spring, I attended a professional conference on Zoom, of course, and it was a leadership conference which I found illuminating and life-giving. One of the keynote speakers of this conference ended his presentation with a time of question and answer. It was during this question and answer session that we learned that he's married to an artist. He shared with us one of his wife's biggest pet peeves as an artist. He said it bothers her when someone buys one of her paintings removes the frame that she has carefully chosen for the pa painting, and then reframes it with something to match their furniture. He went on to explain that as an artist, she is intentional about choosing a frame which will highlight the heart of the art. The frame is meant to pull out what the artist wants the recipient to experience. 
When the art is reframed to match the furniture, it mutes the message, it obscures the intended beauty, and the heart of the art is hidden. It's a gift for us to have four different gospel accounts of Jesus from four different writers. To have the stories of Jesus preserved from unique perspectives gives us a more holistic picture of Jesus. It helps us to see him from a variety of angles, and it opens us to new ways of understanding God. Each gospel writer has chosen a particular frame with which to share their story, and each frame illumines the heart of God through Jesus. Mark's gospel, for example, is framed in a way that it seems as if the writer cannot get the story of God's redemptive nature out fast enough. It is a story told with speed and urgency. There's no birth narrative. The writer begins with John baptizing Jesus and moves quickly into Jesus's public ministry. Mark makes his point quickly and then moves on. The Jesus he shares is busy and breathless. Luke's gospel is told very differently. Luke uses narrative storytelling to frame his gospel. In his telling, we find characters being developed, details around time and location being shared, and feelings being expressed. Scholars over the years have emphasized how Luke lifts those who live on the margins. For Luke, because Jesus ministered to and found value in those on the fringes, it was important to illuminate the minority voices in his gospel telling. Light and illumination have been the frame for Advent this year at Stony Brook. Images of light and darkness are found throughout the entirety of the scriptural story. Our ancestors in the faith attempted to find metaphors and images that could explain the human condition and the experience of God. The gift in the whole of this biblical narrative is that we have a variety of voices, a variety of literary devices to share the experience of God. The ancient texts on which our faith is founded is a work of art. Drawing upon the images used throughout the Gospels of the, about the birth story of Jesus, our very own visual arts team, the same team who gives this worship space a liturgically relevant frame and creates something visually appealing for us, created an advent wreath for our children this season. And each week, the children have been invited to participate in creating a, a piece of art for their advent wreath. Week one, the children were invited to create a light. They've got a light inside this stained glass piece of art that holds in the middle of their advent wreath. The second week, they were invited to create an angel. The third week, they created a star. 
On the fourth week in Advent, today, a baby Jesus. And so we, as we have been following these images each week throughout Advent, the same images that our children have created art around, we now turn to the story of the baby Jesus as shared through Mary and Elizabeth when they learned the astounding news of his conception. Knowing what we know about Luke's gospel, it is of no surprise that we find a detailed, descriptive account of Jesus' birth story, complete with shock and awe. And it is of no surprise that Luke includes this tender, intimate, joy-filled moment with Mary and Elizabeth. Now, Mary had just been visited by the angel Gabriel, who informed her she was going to be carrying the Christ child. Mary's response was to open herself fully up to the plans God had for her life. The strength, the courage, the confidence for a young woman to say yes to God when society would have had a very different plan and message for her is mind-blowing. It is so very difficult to make choices that go against the grain of society. It is so hard to stand firm in who you are and be willing to weather storms which arise when others are uncomfortable by your choices. It is a true feat of courage anytime we say yes to God, for we know all too well that saying yes comes with sacrifice. Now, this is one of the places in the story where I wish Luke would have actually added a little more description. I'm wondering, how did the others in Mary's family respond to this news of her being pregnant out of wedlock? Were they ashamed and embarrassed? Or were they supportive and encouraging? Did they distance themselves from her? Did they believe her? What was their initial reaction? And was it anything like Elizabeth's? Elizabeth's reaction? It is perfect. Mary had just arrived at Elizabeth's home. She hadn't sat back and reflected and processed the news before she left. She didn't take her time getting to see Elizabeth. She wasn't calm or leisurely or slow. Mary went with haste to see Elizabeth. In other words, she moved with a sense of urgency. She just had to share her news, and she had to share it immediately. Immediately is a word that we find over and over and over again throughout Mark's gospel. Immediately, the disciples followed. Immediately, Jesus healed. Immediately, Jesus moved. Immediately, instantly, almost without thought. Mary needed to be with her relative Elizabeth immediately, right then, right there, to share this most unbelievable news. And Elizabeth's reaction, it's perfect. She shrieks with joy when Mary greets her. Not a calm, reserved greeting of welcome, 
but a shout, a scream of delight. Even her own child, still in her womb, reacts to Mary's voice by leaping. Immediately, this reaction occurs, almost without thought. Elizabeth moves immediately into a song of praise for the ways God has blessed Mary. Her, pra her praise includes her own blessing by being visited by Mary. Can you imagine being Mary? You've just learned the most unbelievable, incredible, out-of-this-world news. You hurry to visit a relative to share and to debrief this experience you've just had. You're anxious, you're excited, you're scared, you're exhilarated, you're fearful. You are filled with adrenaline rushing through your body. And you wonder, how is this news going to be received? Will there be disbelief? Will it be discounted or minimized? Will there be shaming and excluding? And then the reality, it is met with shrieks of delight, praise, thanksgiving, and blessing. And Mary's response to the reaction, she breaks out in song. Can you imagine? It must have felt like her heart was going to explode out of her chest with both relief and joy. And immediately, Mary sings what we call the Magnificat. I've referenced Father Gregory Boyle before. He is a Jesuit priest and the founder of Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles. Homeboy Industries is a gang intervention ministry in the heart of what is called the gang capital of the world. Father Boyle has written a book titled Tattoos on the Heart, The Power of Boundless Compassion, and it is one of my favorite books. This book is filled with vignettes about God's activity in the midst of the gang capital of the world. He brings humor into his writing, finding love and laughter in the midst of the very hard stuff of life among people who live very hard lives. It is a book where I have literally laughed and cried in the same sentence. It is beautiful and poignant. The opening chapter of his book is titled, God, I Guess. It is here that Boyle makes the point that all of who he is and all of his ministry is rooted deeply in God. One vignette that he shares in this opening chapter is about Rascal, a man he describes as well into his 30s and always primed for a fight. He says Rascal is defensive and he does not receive advice well. Father Boyle writes, Rascal sometimes hits me up for funds and I oblige if I have it and if his attitude doesn't foul my mood too much. But you can't tell him anything except on this one day, he actually listens. And when I'm done, he says simply, you know what, I'm gonna take that advice and I'm gonna let it marinate. He points to his heart right here. Father Boyle goes on to write, perhaps we should all marinate on the intimacy of God. Genesis, I suppose, got it right. In the beginning, God. 
Ignatius of Loyola, founder of the Jesuits, spoke about marinating in the God who is always greater and to take care to always keep God before your eyes. The secret of the ministry of Jesus was that God was always at the center of it. Jesus chose to marinate in the God who is always greater than our tiny conception. To keep God before your eyes is to choose to be intoxicated, marinated in the fullness of God. An Algerian Trappist, before his martyrdom, spoke to this fullness when he said, when you fill my heart, my eyes overflow. Mary was filled with God, quite literally. Her heart was opened so much that she was able to hear God's request. She was able to respond by saying yes, because she believed. Her faith was such that she trusted in God's goodness, even when it was scary. Because Mary said yes, she got to be the one to raise Jesus. She carried him in her womb, her body providing all the nourishment he needed as his human body grew and developed. She experienced his kicks and dreamed about his future. She cuddled him, soothed him, and kissed his head. Mary scooped him up and held him when he was hurting. She laughed with him and told him stories about his family. She prepared his meals. She taught him proper social skills. Mary modeled a love for God that goes beyond comprehension. Because she said yes, Mary had a hand in, in shaping the heart of Jesus. Stony Brook has a legacy of opening up its heart and saying yes. It began with the founding members' courage to begin a new congregation, and it hasn't stopped since then. The yes is seen in the ways the church embraces its call to nurture young people. This is just one example. The yes continues as the young ones grow into youth and their gifts are recognized and encouraged. The yes is found in the food which is used to nourish our neighbors. It fills our sanctuary with music and lights and sound. The yes is in the ways the property of this church is shared with our community. It is seen in meetings, in study groups, and within prayer shawls. The yes fills our mailboxes with cards of encouragement and love. The yes spills out into our community as you all head to prisons and listen and learn and love. Your yes fills the schools, the hospitals, the businesses, and the neighborhoods. The yes is who you are. The way you say yes often has my heart so filled with God that my eyes overflow. May you continue to have the courage to say yes. Your yes fills our world with hope. 
It is the light of God shining through you, pointing to something greater, pointing to the heart of God. You are God's masterpiece. May all of the ways that you open yourself to God fill you with such joy, exhilaration, and delight that you are moved immediately to share it. May songs of joy flow through you, and may your heart be so filled with God that your eyes overflow. Amen.
Stony Brook has a history of responding yes when a need in our community presents itself. Food insecurity during the time of pandemic has been higher than ever. And I'm excited to uh, share with you that so far, uh, our Thanksgiving offering that has been designated for Gahanna residents in need is a little over $8,000. We are so thankful for the ways that you pour out yourselves and offer yourselves to God. Also this past week, Stony Brook took advantage of a matching dollar day. Um, one day we gave $500 to the Mid-Ohio Food Bank. It was matched dollar for dollar, which brought that total up to $1,000. And as we know, because our neighbors in the food pantry have taught us, their dollar goes much further than what we could spend at the grocery store. And so this $500 that Stony Brook was able to give to the Mid-Ohio Food Bank will be able to purchase up to $9,000 worth of food. Again, we are so grateful for all of the ways that you offer yourself to God. As always, you can uh, continue to give your financial gifts directly to the church office through the U.S. mail, or you can go online to stonybrook.church give and uh, give in that way. Friends, I hope that you believe and that you trust when God tells you how deeply you are loved. You are the light in this world, and we get to go be Christ in the world and shine our lights so that all know that they too are loved by the very one who created us. Go in peace. Amen.